Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Turn your Bibles this morning. Ushers, help me out here. If you did not receive a handout, we want you to receive a handout. Now, this morning's message is not introduction, three points, and a conclusion. Um, it is important that since you hear me speak every Sunday that we, that we change things up every now and then. So this morning, I just want to tell you a story from the Bible. And some of you older, crusty, calloused, ouch, 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 Christians that you've been saved since Methuselah. And you're going to say, I heard that story before. Well, maybe if you open your ears, we'll hear something just a little bit different. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll hear something new. Um, but I want to tell you a story. And then this morning, I'm going to also do something uh, uh, toward the end um, uh, uh, that, in the conclusion of telling about this story. But um, it, it is, I'm so thrilled to be back in church and to, to watch you fellowship and see people come back. And there's people that haven't been in church in many, many months and for a variety of reasons. It's just, it's just great. May I share with you, I was, we, there was a concert, uh, uh, the Collingsworth family used our auditorium on Friday night. Many of you were here. There was a, a little over 500 people here for the concert, and I happened to be talking with Mr. Collingsworth. He came by my office during intermission, and we were talking, and I just asked him about um, going into churches and what's going on, and there's just been a, a real struggle to get into churches, and he was sharing that they had contacted um, uh, four churches in the Phoenix area, and all of them, at the auditoriums that seemed 2,000 or more people, and, and uh, some churches said no, and a couple of churches responded and said that you can have 125 people spread out in our, our congregation. Do you know the devil's laughing? The devil's so happy that he has hurt the church here in Tucson. Still, join us by live stream, not meeting in person yet. The devil loves it when we don't have church. We must have church. We must be in the Word of God. We must have fellowship. We must have worship time. Um, it's very good for our very souls. You know that so many of us, we go week by week and, and we go day by day in our job and it's all filth and muck and yuck and, and uh, there's just so many things that happen in the day-to-day -day life that's just it's unsavory. Church ought to be a place we come and, and we get refreshed and that we leave here and say, I already heard that story, but it sure was good to be reminded of it. And um, or we leave here and say, I never knew that. Wow, the Bible is so deep you can go and you can drink without ever fear of drowning. But it's also uh, uh, it's so shallow that you can come and drink without ever fear of, of drowning. Or it's so deep that you can go and you never find the bottom. The Bible is an amazing book. We can always learn from it. Thank you for being here today. We're going to be talking about a lady named Rebecca today. Our journey takes us to Genesis chapter number 24. 
We're going to be reminded of the story of a young lady, and her name uh, means heifer, young cow. Do we have any Rebecca's here this morning? Oh. I- I'm sorry, Rebecca. The Bible says that you mean a heifer, a young cow. That's from the Bible. That's not Pastor Armstrong. Again, if you need to write a letter this week, it's James D. Howard. Okay, so. uh, we have several Rebeccas in our church. And by the way, it's a beautiful, lovely name. Amen. And, <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, I-, I didn't give the name. It's, in the, it's a Hebrew name, so you cannot get upset with me. I'm just telling you what the name means. But it, it's also a symbol of fertility. We're also going to be introduced to a man by the name of Jacob. And it means he who grabs for something, uh, either his brother's heel uh, at that moment of birth or his brother's inheritance later on. We're going to be introduced to a man by the name of Esau. He was nicknamed Edom, which meant red, either of his complexion or his hair. Uh, Esau was born, the Bible says, with a ruddy complexion, spent most of his time outdoors in the sun, so his face and skin may have been unusually reddened. The story shows the gradual fulfillment of a promise that was made by God. Do you remember when Abraham and Sarah, God promised Abraham that he's going to be the father of of a nation so big that all of the stars in the skies uh, uh, would represent how big his nation was going to be. And even Abraham and Sarah tried to do God's will and went around God's will. And and, uh, problems have been created ever since Abraham's disobedience. We see here Sarah and Abraham would have many descendants. and That nation that would become a nation back then is still a nation today. In Genesis chapter 24, we're introduced to Abraham's desire that his most important servant would go find a wife for his son Isaac. And Abraham instructed his servant that Isaac could not marry a a Canaanite woman, but uh, must be from the family of his own kindred. And so the servant uh, took a journey with so many goods. The Bible says in verse number 10 that it took 10 camels to carry all of the goods on this journey. In Genesis chapter 24, we're going to pick up the story in verse number 15. And um, I'm going to read this as, as quickly as possible this morning. We did take a few extra minutes here of fellowship. But just if you would, the words will be on the screen behind me. Follow along as I read this story so that way we all have a sense of what we're going to be talking about this morning. It came to pass before he had done speaking that behold, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Ab- Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. Now, if you're familiar with the story, this was already talked about in the early parts of Genesis chapter 24, where this was going to be something that the servant was supposed to do. And then what happens next is very important. And she said, drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her her hand and gave him drink. And when uh, she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also uh, until uh, they have done drinking. Have you ever seen how much a camel can drink? Depending on, we don't know if it's a one hump or a two hump uh, a camel. 
the Bible doesn't say. Anyway, it's anywhere from 25 to 30 gallons of water. How many camels? Ten. That's a lot of water this one lady was going to be drawing from the well. She had to feed all of these camels and, and, uh, until they have done drinking. So these camels were getting a full load of water. Verse 20, and she hastily emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well to draw water and drew for all of his camels. And the man, wondering at her, held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass as the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring of a half a shekel weight, two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold, and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, uh, which she bare unto Nahor. And, and she said moreover unto him, We have both straw and provender enough and, and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren." By way of introduction, and uh, let me just uh, introduce the story, Rebecca, in three different episodes in Jewish history. Uh, we see episode one, it's called the, the betrothal and marriage of Rebecca in Genesis 24. We see Rebecca, she's introduced as this brave, resourceful young woman. She impressed all the people who met her. She was a good match for Isaac. In episode two, we'll look at, we'll see the birth and, and the youth of Esau and Jacob. Uh, Rebecca gave birth to two sons with two very different temperaments. The conflict between them was the basis for conflicts of that generation. And how long do you think that conflict's been going on? Since they were born. To 2021. Episode number three, we see Rebecca and the blessing of Isaac in Genesis chapter 27. Rebecca manipulated the situation so that the tribe would be led by an intelligent man rather than a, a popular but shallow man. And so that decision for the tribe would be based on wisdom rather than impulse or emotion. So let's look at episode number one as I just tell you the story this morning. Episode number one, we, we just read that in Genesis chapter 24. Rebecca, she was the young woman who became the wife of Isaac, Sarah's son. She was from a well-to-do family in what we call Upper Mesopotamia. It's now northeastern Syria. She was uh, a relative of Abraham. Her family background is given back in Genesis chapter 22. Here's what we know about Rebecca. She was beautiful. She was shrewd. She was energetic. She was physically robust. She was strong-willed. We first meet her at the well of Aram Naharim, uh, where she showed that she was willing to, to work and she was confident enough to speak without fear to the strangers who came up to the well there that asked uh, about uh, Abraham and his son needing a wife. We just read about this in our text passage. Rebecca, she impressed Abraham's men who had stopped to rest at the well. We read that they offered her valuable gifts, including a gold nose ring and two gold bracelets, which she accepted. And these are, understanding culture and context, these are very important to our story because they're both related to the marriage customs of this time. Gift number one, we call the bride picture, uh, a bride price. It's given by the family of the groom to the bride's family. In Rebecca's case, it's the gold and silver jewelry and clothing with additional gifts. Remember, there's 10 camels worth of gifts. Gift number two is what we call the dowry. 
It it was money, servants, and gifts that were taken with the bride to her new home. Rebecca took her nurse and her maids with her as part of her dowry. Now, the story goes on to say that Rebecca led the men to her home to introduce them to her family. If we were to continue reading, the story goes on to say that, that, Re, uh, that Rebecca's brother Laban spoke as the, as the head of the household. Her father was still alive, but for some reason incapable of acting as the head of the house. Now, how many single ladies do we have here today? If you are single and not married, would you stand for just a moment? You are single and not married. You stand for just a moment. All the ladies, we got some single ones in the balcony too. If you're single and not married, just stay standing for just a moment. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to point you out and embarrass you. That's not the point. Will you help me with my illustration? We have these single ladies. Listen to what happened. A proposal for marriage was made. Oh, don't you look forward to that day? You can't wait till you get married. So a proposal for marriage was made. It was accepted by Rebecca and her family. Now, please consider what just happened in light of 2021. Rebecca and her family agreed to marry a man they had never seen and knew nothing about. How many of you are willing to sign up for that one? They don't know if he's tall or short, wide or skinny. They don't know if he has red hair, black hair, brown hair. They don't know if he has deformities, if he's normal. They know nothing about this man. And she agrees to marry him. So here's what I'm going to do. As pastor, remember it's the Bible. I'm going to go about trying to find all of you, and we're going to just, we're just going to arrange it all for you. All you have to do is say yes, we're going to take care of it for you. Any, do I have anyone who will agree? All right, you can. Okay, all right, I'll take care of it. Y'all can be seated. All right, I got work to do. I wasn't expecting that. All right. Sight unseen. Sight unseen. Rebecca agrees to marry a man she has never seen. The marriage was arranged between families rather than the individuals themselves. And there was definite legal procedures to be followed in Mesopotamia. A marriage arranged by a brother of the the woman was valid if she gave her full consent. And this is why the biblical text specifically mentions consultation with Rebecca. I love our Bible and the details that we have. Rebecca had more to say in whom she married uh, than Isaac had to say. Let's think about, all right, all the single guys, your time to, no. <laughs> oh, if I could have all the single guys stand, no, no, uh, if I had all the single guys stand, you had no say in this. A servant, somebody who worked for daddy, went to go find you a wife. Uh, how many of you are signing up for that one? It's a fascinating lesson in the Jewish culture. Genesis 24 verse 8 suggests that the marriage would not have gone on ahead without her consent. But Isaac, he's expected to marry the woman brought home by his father's agents. Oh, you, the, the sto- we don't have time to read the whole story, but you can read all the way down to verse 61. And it is just, it's a fascinating story. Now here's what happened. So they've lodged there, they've agreed. So now, Rebecca loads up on those camels and she journeys to her new home. She seems sure of her own judgment and ready for this daunting new experience. She had to have been adventurous. And her journey took her from 
upper Mesopotamia and what was now northeastern Syria to Le Romaroi in the Negev. Uh, it's a distance of some 500 to 550 miles. All right, ladies, think about that. You agree to marry somebody that you do not know anything about. And by the way, we're going to put you on a camel for 500 miles to go meet him. What happens if you don't like him? How are you getting back? 500 miles on a smelly old camel. I had the opportunity to visit one. I won't mention this missionary by name because he's in, in, in a, um, a country that, uh, that missionaries are not supposed to be in. But the country was Morocco. And uh, a, a couple of the guys from church was with me. And we had the opportunity to ride camels. Do you remember that? Were you with me on that trip? When you were? Okay, so uh, we had the opportunity to, to ride camels. They're mean They're nasty, they stink, they're contrary, 500 miles. I rode one mile on a camel and I was so ready to get off. It was not something that was fun. She rode 500 miles on a camel. And then notice what happened. Rebecca and Isaac meet. Look at uh, uh, chapter 24, drop all the way down to verse 62. The Isaac and Rebecca meet. It seems like it was love at first sight. And Isaac, in verse 62, came uh, from the way of the well, Loharui, from where he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac uh, went out to uh, meditate in the field of eventide, and he lifted up his eyes, and he saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebecca, Rebecca lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lit a camel. That's what many of you say. Uh, that, that joke doesn't work, okay? She jumped off her camel. She ran to meet Isaac. For she uh, had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into her mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah. She became his wife. He loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Uh, the, the thought there is by Rebekah. Amazing. This is a crazy love story in the Bible. Isaac took his bride-to-be to the tent of his mother. Sarah now is very, very old. She wasn't a spring chicken when she had Isaac exactly, 90 years of age. Um, it may have been that she's the one, understanding her age, that she's the one that initiated this. We've got to find a, a, a wife for my son Isaac. The phrase... <coughs> The phrase here, and he loved her, is used uh, something, it's a most unusual phrase in the biblical text. It doesn't, this is a, a very strange, uh, it, is, it, it had to have been like love at first sight. Sarah dies, Rebecca comforts Isaac. After his mother's death, there's a deep, deep bond between Isaac and Rebecca. The biblical story feels like it's, and they lived happily ever after. Oh, let's get to episode number two. Episode number two that takes place in the story we referred to earlier as the birth um, and youth of Esau and Jacob. Despite her beauty, despite Isaac's love for Rebekah, Rebekah did not have an easy time of it. 
She did not conceive for several years, and this was considered both a personal misfortune, and sometimes in that culture it was viewed as judgment from God. Eventually, however, she became pregnant. How exciting, but her pregnancy was not exciting. The Bible seems to indicate that there was a lot of uh, turmoil during that, that t- term of pregnancy, and it was very, very difficult because the Bible says that there were two babies, and they fought with each other in the womb, constantly moving. Um, the Bible says, let's just read a couple of verses here in, in chapter 25. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife. How old was his mama when she was born? When he was born? 90. How old is Isaac when uh, he got married? How old was Sarah when she died? At least 130. Um, Verse 21, and Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord was entreated of him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived and the children struggled together within her. There's that fight going on. And she said, if it be so, why am, uh, why am I thus? And she went to inquire. She went to talk to the Lord about this. Oh, I wanted to be pregnant so bad, but this is terrible. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb. And the manner of people shall be separated from thy vows. And, and the one people shall be stronger and the other people. And, and the elder shall serve the younger. Rebecca was the first woman we hear of who sought God out. And of course, this is in the early part of the Bible, but uh, Rebecca, actually, she goes to the Lord. And this was not customary in this culture to do that. Rebecca has twin sons. The struggle in her womb had been a sign that there would be a lifelong struggle between the twins. Esau and Jacob were their names. And, And you know what? Even to this day, there's still a struggle in the Middle East between the descendants of Jacob and Esau. The Bible says, and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. His name was called Jacob, and Isaac was Three score years old when she bare them, 60 years of age, and the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. There was a split within their own family. Isaac loved his son Esau. Rebekah loved her son Jacob. Well, the story goes on. We won't take the time to read the lengthy passage of Scripture that takes place in Genesis chapter 26. But what happens is is that we learn about Esau in chapter 26. He marries two Hittite or non-Hebrew women. uh, And they did not get along with Rebekah and Isaac. And uh, Jacob was quiet, more thoughtful, more interested in learning. He did not particularly enjoy outdoor activities. And he depended on his intelligence and his wife rather than on his brute strength. Well, that takes us to our third episode in this story, Rebecca and the blessing of Isaac. I've read this story in my lifetime dozens of times. If you've read through your Bible, what book of the Bible do you always start in January? Genesis. Everybody starts in Genesis, and by the time they get to Leviticus, they said, ah, maybe not reading through the Bible this year is such a good idea. 
Everybody reads Genesis, and so if you've been saved any length of time, you've read this story perhaps dozens of times in the Bible. I've read this story, and I've never really, until I just got into it and started studying it, understood the significance of what took place in Genesis chapter 27. One day, the Bible tells us that Esau carelessly gave up his birthright. We don't have birthrights in our, in our culture here in America. Um, what that means is that he gave up half of his inheritance to his younger twin, Jacob. So on the death of his father, uh, property would be divided in equal shares between however many sons there were. But the eldest son in this culture, it was the custom that the oldest son would always receive a double portion. It was, but it was even more important. Um, the birthright always went to the eldest. But why it was important is that the eldest, he had the say and what happened in the family for all of the years until he died and he passed the birthright on. So we have a family of two sons. The elder would get two-thirds. The younger would get one-third. Daughters had already received their inheritance in the form of a dowry. And in the story of the stew, Esau, he gave up his right of a double portion and he transferred that right to Jacob. We know that there was conflict between the, the wives of, of Esau and Rebekah. We learn that there was a bitter disagreement between Rebekah and King Abimelech. Uh, there was just a lot of conflict. Let me fast forward. When Isaac was, was very old, he realized, now it's my time to die. And this meant that he should give his formal blessing to uh, the son that he wanted to succeed him. I've read this story dozens of times, and I have never stopped to think about what the Bible is saying about the blessing. It's very fascinating. The blessing meant that the handing over of the legal power to the successor. The blessing was more valuable than any amount of property. The person who received the blessing had authority over the whole family, the whole clan, the whole tribe, even over people who were older than himself. If Jacob had the blessing, that means that he would be the one governing the tribe after Isaac's death. Who was older? Who was older? That means Jacob's going to be telling Esau what to do. But the Bible clearly says... Who was Isaac's favorite son? Esau. He had many of the qualities that Isaac seemed to lack. He was hardy. He was carefree. He was a good hunter. He was physically strong. The question was, would, it, would he be the best person to govern the tribe after Jacob's death? Rebecca didn't think so. Now, it goes all the way back to our text and what we read. Remember what, what the Lord told Rebecca? There's two nations in your womb. The younger is going to rule the older. Rebecca had that intimate knowledge from the Lord. Folks, this is where the crux of my message comes down to. Um, there was a lot of trickery going on. There was some cunningness going on here. For Rebecca decided that she needed to be God. Think about that. Rebecca, this amazing woman. She decided she needed to be God. 
Rebecca may have even hated what she had to do. I don't know. But anyway, if you were to read the first 40 verses of, of chapter 27, you would see that Rebecca had, had developed from a beautiful, confident young girl into this farsighted and very shrewd woman. I don't know the answers to all of these questions. Did Jacob really uh, uh, trick Isaac into thinking he was Esau? I don't know. The Bible indicates that, that Isaac uh, uh, felt the hands or arms of, uh, uh, of Jacob and believed that to be Esau. I think you really know your children. I don't know. Is it possible that Isaac was aware all along that what was happening? Did Isaac go along with Rebekah's deception because he knew the heart uh, 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 of what was supposed to happen? I don't know. But here's what I do know. Genesis 27 verse 41 says this. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father at hand. Then I'm going to go kill my brother. Esau, he was enraged. He had been betrayed by his mother and his brother. He had lost his inheritance, which was two-thirds of the property of the value of the estate. But way more important, he lost the blessing. The blessing that would give him the political control the spiritual control to make decisions for the family. Once again, Rebecca steps in. If you've read the story, you know that Esau says, I'm going to kill my brother, and Rebecca steps in, and she helps the brother escape. She maneuvered the, situ uh, uh, the situation. She, she arranged uh, uh, a marriage between Jacob and one of the daughters of, uh, of Laban. And, uh, and here we see going all the way back up into Mesopotamia. Often this story is overlooked or neglected because you know what, frankly speaking, let's just be honest, this story doesn't impact us as Gentiles. We're not, we're not Jewish people that's in this conflict in the Middle East. And so it's a, it's a story, you know what, uh, twins were born. We, we think that's pretty cute. Uh, we think, you know, uh, uh, Jacob grabbing Esau's foot, that's cute. But, but really, it, it doesn't affect us. I was thinking about this story here, and what's happened is that we have we've been going through a journey of Bible characters, and we've been looking at this uh, uh, this year as we've taken this journey of Bible characters. We've been looking at how that many of them, their boxes were flattened. Um, and in their boxes being flattened, uh, uh, there were circumstances that happened beyond their control. Uh, I've used this, this box here for um, months now. You know what I do today? I'm retiring the box. I'm getting rid of the box. Because you, you, you know what? In, in, in truth, uh, many of our lives have changed. But do you know what I've also discovered in truth, many of, our lives, many of our lives have improved because our faith has had to be counted. We've had to get into the Word of God. We have a stronger, a closer relationship with the Lord. I want to say thank you. Thank you for trusting the Lord. Thank you for allowing your life to be disrupted a little bit. But in retiring the box, I want you to understand something that's very important. And here's the lesson. Here is where this story comes in and plays significance. Rebecca was a beautiful amazing, hardworking young lady when she met Isaac. They were madly in love. 
The Bible says that. They were so close to the Lord that Rebecca inquired of the Lord, the first woman of the Bible to, to inquire and to ask help from the Lord. And the Lord responded to her. But along the way, Rebecca said, I know better than God. And I'm going to help God out. And she became deceptive, cunning, ruthless. And she says, I know what God says is going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet, so I'm going to go ahead and help God out. Here's my challenge to you as I close this message. As I said, I don't have introduction, three points, and a conclusion. I have this thought, and we're done. God doesn't need our help. He wants us to be obedient. God wants us to obey him, and his word will come to fruition. God doesn't need us to manipulate a situation so that we can get the desired or intended result. God wants us to be obedient. Do you realize that when God told Rebecca upon a prayer that happened, when God told Rebecca the younger is going to rule over the older or the older is going to serve under the younger, when God said that, God already knew what he needed to do to make that happen. He didn't need Rebecca's help. But Rebecca decided I'll take matters into my own hands. And as a result... Do you realize as a result, there's been a lot of hardship out of that decision? I'm here to say that it's time that we as a church, that we do something that's a pretty novel, a novel idea. We take his word and we obey it. We take his word and we trust in those promises that's been given to us. We take his word and when it convicts us after we read it that we don't become defensive and we don't strike back but we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our heart and maybe there's some changes that we need to make and maybe there's some, some grace that needs to be extended here and there and there's some mercy that needs to happen and maybe along the way that in our own lives there's got to be a greater understanding that God's got this. God's not surprised by anything. In fact, he allowed us to have a will. And that's why this world's a mess is that in God's permissive will, there's been so many things happen um, because man is a sinful creature. Folks, Jesus saved us. And in saving us, he gave us a new life. Are we living as if we have a new life?